You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast. Where you'll get proven strategies to start and grow your online business from in the trenches digital entrepreneurs. EntrepreneurIgnited.com. Launch your online business. Live your dreams. Now, here's your host, Derek Gale. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, a podcast designed to just skip the hype, skip the BS, and bring you real actionable tips and strategies from real experts to help you grow your business and income on the internet. This is your host, Derek Gale, and today we're going to be diving deep into what I believe is one of the most valuable skills you can have as a digital entrepreneur. And that skill is copywriting, you know, the ability to persuade and influence people through the use of the written word. And, you know, whether you're writing emails, sales pages, squeeze pages, or even scripts for webinars or video sales letters. Good copywriting is the foundation of your success. But today we're not just going to be talking about copywriting. We're going to be digging into uh, NLP copywriting, which blends the science of neuro-linguistic programming and copywriting as well, which is two topics that uh, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated by. And today's guest is not only one of the top A-list copywriters in the world. He's also considered to be the founding father, or the godfather, if you will, of NLP copywriting. He's written for uh, people like Wayne Dyer, uh, Sylvia Brown, Harv Ecker, Jay Abraham, and so many uh, worldwide experts you've probably heard of. He also holds the record for the fastest million ever made online, which was done in less than 22 minutes. And a little fun fact, he's also the owner of the world's largest dog news site online, called the Doggington Post. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Harlan Kilstein to the show. Harlan, thanks so much for being here. I could just go on and on and listen to you say great things about me. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, well, for, you know what, I, I'm going to give you a chance to say some more great things about yourself. Because uh, I, I mean, you've been you've been in this industry for as long as I can remember. I mean, you've been one of the copywriting greats for, for as long as I can remember. And I'm so happy to have you on the show. But you know, before we get started, um, you know, I've got a lot of entrepreneurs that they, you know, they haven't been around as long as us. Um, and, and, and they probably don't know your background and your story. Can you, can you just share your story as an entrepreneur and a copywriter? Writer, and how did you become one of the most in-demand copywriters in the world, but also, you know, sort of the founding father of NLP copywriting? What's, what's your story? Gosh, that, that, that'll take us through the whole podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, well, to start with, it, I want to let everybody know that when I got started online, I knew less than nothing. The famous story, and absolutely true that I tell, is I decided that I needed a website and I called up a company and, and gave them a domain name, which I never used, by the way. Uh, and I, I bought the domain name, and I was all excited. And I went and I typed in the domain name, and nothing was there. And I called them back up, and I said, hey, I, I just bought the domain name. Uh, where's my website? And they said, well, you didn't buy hosting. I said, what's that? They said, well, you need a place to put your website. Oh, yeah, it's going to be on the Internet. No, no, no. You have to buy a place. Well, why do I have to buy a place if the internet is 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 free? And um, <laughs> I they, they, I said, okay, let's say I buy the website. How do I get my? How do I create it? They said, well, you have to know HTML. I went, what the heck is that? Oh, that's hypertext marking language. I said, well, I'll have to think about it. And I never um, went ahead and built that first website. So that's where I'm coming from. Um, 
Today, I easily, without even sweating, pull in a, a good seven figures a year, and I have numerous servers and websites. But that's how I started. That's how little I knew yep. about the internet. That little. Uh, then, when it came to copy, I was in the hypnosis business. I had a hypnosis clinic, and we got our ads from a service, and we would place newspaper ads. And the service started getting really slow about getting us ads, and I said, okay, I, I think I need to learn how to write my own ads. And I took a couple of copywriting courses. I went and heard uh, greats like Dan Kennedy, Gary Halbert, John Carlton, and I said, I can do this. And everyone said that copywriting should be like the sales conversation, as if the person is sitting right in front of you. Mm -hmm. Okay, fantastic. Um, and I wrote my first ad based on the fact that when people would come in to lose weight in hypnosis, they would invariably say, my doctor told me I need to lose weight. So I wrote an ad with a picture of a doctor talking to a woman, and the headline was, has your doctor told you to lose weight? And the phones rang off the hooks. It was the most successful ad we ever had. Um, and there it was, my first um, and and I, I just started getting better and better and better, and I realized that I liked writing the ads a lot more than I liked writing the hypnosis center. I closed the center, fired all of my clients, and tripled my income. Uh, <laughs> and since then, I just love being able to work from anywhere in the world, and uh, and. Uh, and, and write for clients or write for myself. I, I do one letter for a client, one letter for myself. And so I have multiple businesses going, and I, I just really like working this way. Now, as far as NLP goes, I'd always been interested in NLP. When it came out, I started reading, actually the first book on NLP was Frogs into Princes by Bandler and Grinder. Mm -hmm. And it talked about a lot of stuff that I had no idea whether it was true. And they talked about watching eye movements. And I would go and start talking to people and watching their eye movements, and lo and behold, what they said was true. Then they started talking about using language patterns, and one of them was called embedded commands. I started using them um, on, I was in graduate school at the time, and I started using them on teachers and noticed dramatic, dramatic results. So wait, wait a In, second. You NLP'd your teachers? Yeah. The original <laughs> story was I was in uh, graduate school studying for a master's. This was an after-work master's. So everyone came from a day of work, and the guy gave us three books to read that we had to write essays on, um, a semester project, a midterm, and a final, when most others either gave you materials to read or just gave you a final exam. You didn't get all of these work. And if he gave you books to read, um, they didn't test you to see whether you really read them. And the class was groaning and arguing with him, and nobody was getting anywhere. They argued with the guy for maybe a half hour. And I remember the class was ending, and I told them, told him a story 
about something that happened in a classroom where I was teaching at the time. And I used the embedded commands that my students had allegedly said. And uh, I said, told them the story and, and said, and my students said to me, and I changed my tonality, trust us that we'll do the work. <laughs> and I said, how can I trust you? And the students answered me and said, we're mature in this classroom. Trust us that we'll do the work. And the teacher stopped and said, maybe I need to reconsider the way I'm evaluating the work. I remember leaving the classroom in sheer silence, got into the elevator, and a friend said, what did you just do? <laughs> I'm not sure, but it looks like it's working. We came in the last week. We came in the next week, and all the requirements were gone. It was just like, Come in, attend class, and at the end, I'm going to give you a project to do that you can take home. And it turned out being a, a really easy class. I also learned a lot uh, from it, but all of those requirements were gone. And that's when I became a believer. And since that time, what I wanted to do was work on the concept of persuasion with elegance and not brute force. Because when you're selling, uh, people uh, want to buy, but they don't want to be sold to. Mm -hmm. And so I focus on, with NLP copywriting, is very simple, and that is to get the person to take the next step. And that's my only goal. What is the next step? When I write a headline, the headline is to get them to go to the next step, which is to read the first paragraph. The, the end of the first paragraph, my goal is to get them to do the second paragraph. Mm -hmm. Step by step, not rushing people, understanding exactly where they are, mm -hmm. and then using a lot of techniques and understanding about how people operate. Um, and and paying attention to them, understanding what's going on, the conversation that's going on in their head. Now, one of the most powerful techniques um, used by probably the most famous uh, user of, of NLP, who is Tony Robbins, is, is a technique called criteria. Criteria are how people make decisions. And for example, using weight loss, if you talk to people and you ask the question, what's important to you about weight loss, you're typically going to get one or two answers. The first answer is, well, my health. There's nothing more important than my health. The alternate answer you're going to get is my appearance. Now, if you scale that up, say, great. Um, health is really important. Uh, what's important to you about taking care of yourself? What's important to you about your health? And um, they'll say, you know, I want to be around for my family. Well, that is such a powerful uh, lever. And you start referring to their desire to take care of their family. Uh, they'll do anything you want. Mm -hmm. uh, similarly, if you start with appearance and say, okay, well, what's important to you about having that appearance? If you keep talking to them, ultimately, it's going to come to, 
um, then I'll feel really good about myself. So they're not interested in weight loss. They're ultimately interested either in being around for their family or in feeling good about themselves. That's what you really want to sell them. Mm. Most people don't. They sell them the program. Yeah. But if you sell them what their ultimate goal is, their criteria, a, a person can't refuse, cannot resist their own criteria without causing themselves extreme pain. Right. Yeah. Now, now let, let's actually pause for a second because we're we've, we're sort of talking, we're diving into NLP, and we're going to start to dive into NLP and copywriting. But let's take a step back because I just realized there's probably a lot of our listeners that maybe they've heard NLP, but they're not even really sure what NLP is. And we've you know we called it neuro linguistic programming. But can you just give us a brief overview? What is NLP? What was it created for? Okay, um, and it actually started in um, the therapeutic community. Uh, the people who, who founded NLP, uh, Richard Bandler and John Grinder, noticed that some therapists got to the heart of a matter and helped people change really rapidly. And there were others who would just bounce around and maybe they would get lucky uh, and maybe they wouldn't. Uh, and so they decided to study the people who were the best. And when they did this, they discovered that they were using similar language patterns. And they published literally a book, The Structure of Magic, showing the language patterns of effective communicators, how to really get to the heart of a matter. Uh, they gave this to the great anthropologist uh, Gregory Bateson and he looked at it and said, you guys need to talk to Milton Erickson. Who's that? He's the world's greatest medical hypnotist. So they went out to Erickson after studying his work, and they found out that in hypnosis, he was doing the reverse. Mm -hmm. Instead of really getting specific, he was getting broad. I, I have a metaphor um, that I use, and that is that uh, there was one day a king going through the forest and he passed a barn and there were a whole bunch of arrows sticking into the bullseye. And he said, find the person that did this. I want this man on my squad of royal archers. And they tracked down a farmer who was embarrassed to be standing in front of the king. And he said, you are the finest archer I've ever met in my life. How do you do this? And he said, oh, I have a trick. What's the trick? Uh, first, I shoot the arrows, then I draw the target. Mm. You can't miss that way, mm -hmm. can you? No, you can absolutely not. And that's what Erickson did with his conversation. He was he drew the target so big that he just couldn't miss. People would talk to him and think that he was reading their mind. Yeah, but really, they were fitting into his conversation. Wow. That is the secret of NLP copywriting, so that anyone can read your writing and think that you're talking about them. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so let, now let's shift gears. Now let's apply it to NLP copywriting. Um, you know, what is NLP copywriting and how is it different from your regular copywriting? 
NLP copywriting is really about that step-by-step process of elegance to get people to take the next step, whether it's to get an opt-in on a page, it's to use the specific language patterns that Erickson used in his hypnosis. One of them is it's called a presupposition. Everybody is familiar with the most famous presupposition there is, and that is lawyers say to the person on the stand, when did you stop beating your wife? Uh, because there's a presupposition that you beat your wife and that you have been beating your wife and at some point you stopped. Uh, presuppositions typically go right by uh, the person that you're having the conversation with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's There was a famous article in the 50s by George A. Miller. You can actually find it online for free. It's called The Magic Number 7 Plus or Minus 2. And Miller said that a person can process at any period of time up to seven plus or minus two pieces of information. So right now, Derek, you're listening to the sound of my voice. Mm-hmm. But part of you is also probably aware of the chair that you're sitting at. And when I mention the end of this sentence, you might come to think about uh, the feeling of your feet on the floor. So (laughs) things go in and out of your awareness. Mm -hmm. If I give you too many things to be awareness, your brain shuts down. Mm. Presuppositions are so powerful that if you stack presuppositions at three or four presuppositions, the person is no longer able to critically analyze what's going on. But it's not in a manipulative way. It's by bypassing the conscious resistance that people normally have. And nobody feels used by it. Okay. So... Can you give us an example of stacking presuppositions? Well, I guess the best example that I could do is I could go to my uh, NLP uh, copywriting website, and um, uh, I have a headline there, uh, how many NLP persuasion language patterns can you spot in this special report? Now, if I were to break that down, just that first sentence, let alone the entire report, is the first presupposition is that there's something known as an NLP persuasion language pattern. Mm -hmm. The second presupposition is that you can spot them. The third uh, presupposition is that there is more than one of them in this report. And the last presupposition is that this is a special report. That's just one sentence. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line is uh, presuppositions and stacking presuppositions make copy almost irresistible. Right, right. Okay, so now (laughs) talking about presuppositions – let's shift gears now and and let's let's dig into when to apply nlp techniques or when they don't work in copy well let me let me say what if i did something manipulative to you right now Mm -hmm. and i said um 
how soon is it going to be before you invite me back on your podcast? So there's a, pre- <laughs> there's a presupposition there that you're going to invite me back on the podcast, but it's also a manipulative presupposition mm-hmm. because it's never been discussed. So if I were to use NLP in that way, uh, you would resent it. Yeah. And that's in that's inelegant. And you'll see people saying, how quickly are you going to reach for your credit card? Really? How about never? Yeah. So if you try and manipulate someone, they're going to catch it mm-hmm. and they're going to bite back. You know, and that's interesting because, you know, there's there's people on two sides of the fence with NLP and there's people that will say, oh, NLP is is evil, right? Um, because you're influencing people at a subconscious level. And, and you know, whether it's through webinars or videos or, or written word, um, what's your position on that? I think that people could definitely be manipulated uh, by NLP. There mm-hmm. are certain people who specialize in doing it. Um, But I also believe that there's something called karma. And if you manipulate people, there is going to be a price to pay down the road big time. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And and I mean, at the end of the day, if you're using this to persuade people to make a decision that's actually going to improve their life, to invest in something that they need and you're going to fulfill and deliver, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, You know, I've witnessed NLP used in many events, in many stages, for many speakers over my career, and watched um, watched people make investment decisions into products where they really don't even know what they're buying, um, and and watching it used at that level, sometimes I scratch my head and go, well. What's the what's the long term game there? If they're making a completely emotional decision today, um, and with without really realizing what it is they're even purchasing, what's the stick rate going to be like of that client? So I guess my question to you with NLP is: Can you overuse it and attract the wrong clients? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, you can do that. Attract the wrong client. And you might as well shoot yourself in the foot mm-hmm. for doing it at the same time. Um, what you want to do is you want to, ha- first of all, I guess, start with intention. Mm-hmm. Um, Wayne Dyer, the late Wayne Dyer was uh, one of my clients. And one of the things that I worked on was his power of intention. What's your intention? If your intention is to manipulate people, I'd really rather someone not be my student Mm -hmm. if as you said before your goal is to help someone then nlp could be a really valuable tool there are lots of people uh, tony robbins for one um, uses nlp when talking to people who are just you know uh, millimeters away from uh, committing suicide Mm -hmm. and and he turns them around and shows them that they can enjoy life. Mm-hmm. That's that's what's possible. Um, I, I, here's a great story about NLP. A friend of mine it was one of the oldest NLP trainers, and he was doing marital counseling. And this couple was having the worst possible fight. And he, they didn't even want to come into his office. He went 
to their home because that was the only way they'd agreed to see him. And every time he tried to find something good to say about the husband, he denied it. And he looked around the house trying to find something good. And he said to the husband, I bet you're a pretty spontaneous guy. Me? Spontaneous? Absolutely not. I am the least spontaneous person in the world. Um, How did those flowers get on the uh, table? Well, that actually proves that I'm not a spontaneous guy. You see, I got out of work on Friday, coming home for the weekend, and I saw flowers outside my office. And I said, should I get them or not? I decided not to. On the way home, I was driving through the streets, and I saw a flower stand after flower stand. And I said, should I get my wife flowers? And I said, no. Finally, I came to the corner where I live. I saw a last person selling flowers. I said, should I get flowers? No. I pulled into the driveway and said, you know, the best flowers I saw were at my office. So I went back to my office and bought the flowers that you see here now. So you see, I am not a spontaneous person. And my friend used a technique that's called a reframe. And he said, oh, of course you're a spontaneous person. You're just a delayed spontaneous person. Now, how can you, what is a delayed spontaneous person? <laughs> it's an oxymoron. Person? <laughs> it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. And, and the wife looked up like, what's a delayed spontaneous person? And he said, okay, I'll see you guys next week. He walked in next week and both the couple both members of the couple were grinning from ear to ear. And he said, you guys look like you like swallowed cats. Um, you know, your mouth is what's going on. So she said, Oh, uh, my husband came home from work yesterday and took me out for ice cream in the middle of the day. And he said, really? And he looked at the husband and said, what came over you? And he just said, well, I'm just a delayed, spontaneous kind of guy. (laughs) So NLP can be used to really help people. Yeah. Um, And it can be used to help people make a decision that's really right for them, but they're just, maybe they have a fear Mm -hmm. of of taking the next step. And you can help them over that fear. Uh, Look, there, there are lots and lots of things that you've taught that have helped people literally change their lives and taken them from place A to place B. What if you were not as persuasive and they did not make the decision to invest in themselves? Mm -hmm. Where would they be? Mm -hmm. Totally agree. But that is literally um, what you've done and you've accomplished. Yeah. So, okay. So now we've been talking about uh, NLP and, and how you're using it in, in, in I mean, it was initially uh, developed for more of a therapy one-to-one kind of application. And when we see Tony use it, that's in many cases how he's using it. Is there, you know, people are listening and they're thinking, wow, this NLP thing sounds really cool. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to research it. I'm going to read books by Richard Bandler, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But is there a, a large element of NLP, traditional NLP, that does not work for copy as well? 
Absolutely. One technique in particular is actually the one that I tested with the um, embedded commands. Uh, they come across as manipulative mm. in in copy. So, for example, uh, the, the, it's probably the most famous misuse of NLP. Uh, it's where the sentence might be... Um, uh, by now, um, you're probably wondering what this has to do with you. And the way they say it in uh, verbally is, by now, you're probably wondering what this has to do with you. Now, I, I exaggerated, mm -hmm. but the emphasis on by now is, you're going to buy this thing right now. Mm -hmm. And so people use all kinds of techniques. They put that in bold um, and they even get even more manipulative. By now, you're probably wondering when you're going to be able to get this in your hands. And it's so manipulative that people have the exact opposite uh, reaction. And they say, no, it's not. I'm not interested in that at all. Um, so embedded commands, which are probably one of the most popular uh, patterns known just mm -hmm. doesn't work. But I will tell you one that you're all going to love. Um, that to me is the most powerful technique. As a matter of fact, if you were to ask me for what one technique I could have that I would never leave behind, it would be this technique. And it's called therapeutic metaphor. When people would go to see Milton Erickson, they would go for uh, treatment. And very often, they would think that they were going to be hypnotized, and Erickson would tell them a story. As a matter of fact, one of the books uh, explaining how Erickson did his work said uh, they were transcribing an Ericksonian session that started with a trance, and then the book says, and then we're going to interrupt the transcript here because Erickson started to tell a story. They didn't realize that the story was actually part of the technique. They didn't understand why he was telling stories. Mm -hmm. Stories are the single most powerful change technique. And we've known this since the days of, of Moses and Jesus telling parables and stories. There isn't a religion or a culture in the world does not use stories. Uh, the most famous sales letter, the most successful sales letter in history, which was done for the Wall Street Journal, which is responsible for over a billion or $2 billion in sales, was a story. Mm -hmm. So telling someone a story um, is uh, just one of the best things that you could do. There's a book called Therapeutic Metaphors uh, by one of the founders of NLP, David Gordon. You can get it on Amazon um, or just uh, Google therapeutic metaphors, and you will learn how to tell these specially constructed stories. It's probably the easiest way to start um, of telling people these, these stories, and the results are absolutely exceptional. Sometimes the stories sit inside like uh, a, a seed planted in the ground 
and take a little while before they flower. And, and sometimes people get the story right away and they smile. Once mm-hmm. again, don't use it in a manipulative way. Yeah. Um, therapeutic metaphor, just something that's, that's really great. For example, great persuader, Harv Eker, who, who I wrote for. Um, in his opening presentation, Harv tells a story about how he started a business uh, and he put the money on his credit card. And everybody told him he was foolish for putting the money on his credit card. And then uh, 18 months later, the Heinz company bought the business from him for over a million dollars. And he says, how many people think it was the right thing for me to put that money on my credit card? Hmm. And all the hands go up. But what he's really done is told a metaphor, because later on he's going to ask them to put something on their credit card. Metaphors don't have to be long stories to be effective. And, and Harv is one of the greatest closers of, yeah. of all time. Absolutely. Now, with these stories, um, and I've got the, the name of the book down here because I definitely want to read that. Uh, is there, is it, is it, because I know there's people listening and they're thinking, oh, I'm not a good storyteller. I can't tell stories. Is it, is it a pretty formulaic process? Um, a, it can be a formula. Literally, he draws a map of what a story is, mm-hmm. but you can also adapt stories. You do not have to be able to create them. By using the map and the process, you can take a, a story of, let's say there's someone who doesn't know how to make a decision, mm-hmm. you, and you tell them the story of Dumbo the Flying Elephant um, and ended up getting the advice from a bunch of crows uh, that he had a talent that he didn't know. And when people hear that story they realize, oh, there's something inside of me that I'm not using. So you do not have to, um, once you understand the concept, you'll realize that stories are everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, you can pull them from numerous sources. They don't have to be your own personal story to get the point across. No, and people will thank you. Now, of course, you can build a story. If you're building a story about a family, you can build a, a ship captain uh, as the husband, the first mate being the wife, the uh, cabin boy being uh, a son, etc., et um, and and have a whole family represented in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a there's a structure to good stories, and stories work like nothing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, people are interested in stories. People listen to stories. They're engaging. They, it, it, it's not selling. Um, so let's shift gears again. Now let's so, talk about, oh, so go ahead. I just wanted to say one more thing. If you folks, the person listening to this, think back to when you were told stories, it's an almost universal experience that when you were a child, someone told you stories. So when someone tells you a story, literally part of you becomes almost... Uh, childlike and trusting. Mm-hmm. So you're accomplishing more than one thing at a time. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's interesting when I think back to, to when I do events and I do workshops and I just, I just landed back in Canada. I did, uh, 
10, 10 events throughout Asia and Australia over the last month. And, um, you know, when I'm doing a, a one-day workshop, I, you know, I can see when people are starting to um, – to withdraw or shut down or and if you switch and I, you know I have stories planted throughout my presentation and and you'll watch people re-engage and you know start to lean forward in their seat and listen so much more intently uh, when you're using those stories to engage people and, and and you know that's the beauty of a live event is you can actually watch the physical change taking place in the audience as you shift into stories and if I think of the you know looking at the most um, uh, successful, successful speakers, the most influential people, whether it's, you know, the Zig Ziglar's of the world or what, they, I mean, they all were masterful, masterful storytellers. Absolutely. And, um, uh, and your mentor's mentor, um, Dan Kennedy yep. is, uh, a master storyteller. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean Dan. Dan is, is an absolute pro at that. Now, now let's shift gears again. Now let's talk a little bit about video, right? Because I mean, obviously, there's the written word, but so much is happening in video online these days. Whether it's webinars, whether it's you know squeeze pages, sales videos online, VSLs. Uh, do these techniques work in video as well? And are there different techniques? You know, will embedded commands actually work in videos, but maybe not in written? So absolutely, once you've turned to um, once you've turned to video, you have the opportunity to use the voice again. Uh, one of the things that I taught uh, a great marketer, Frank Kern, was the concept of pattern interruption. And Frank started putting out great videos that all began with pattern interruptions. Up until Frank came along with his NLP knowledge, a video was maybe someone sitting in front of a screen talking to you, and all of a sudden Frank's videos were, here's a tour of my house. Mm -hmm. Here I'm driving around in my car. And those videos were effective because it wasn't what people um, expected. Mm -hmm. um, I saw a video selling a supplement yesterday for someone with a uh, heart problems. And the video began with a person literally crying out in pain and saying, oh, it hurts so much. Well, a person who is uh, a cardiac patient can relate to something like that. Mm -hmm. And it interrupts what's going on in their life. So they're literally able to pay attention. So, okay, so we've just started talking about a whole new technique, which is pattern interrupts. So I'm going to get you to take just a step back and explain, you know, what is a pattern interrupt? What's the purpose of a pattern interrupt? Most people live pattern-predictable lives. Uh, they're not fully aware of what's going on. I, I challenge you guys listening to go into a supermarket and watch people going down the aisles it's as if they're in a trance. Um, and people go through life the same way. And when they're searching online, they're in their online trance. When they're watching television, uh, that's about as deep a trance as people can be in. If you want to, <coughs> excuse me, if you want to get through to people, you've got to get them out of that trance. And one really effective way is to interrupt that pattern. And a lot of copywriters have taken this single 
NLP technique of interrupting someone's patterns uh, and made it the cornerstone of, of what they do to get your attention and then keep your attention for uh, the length of, of the video. And, uh, you know, and Frank's a great example of that because, I mean, his videos get huge and, and they're interesting, right? You know, that's not what you expect. And, and, and you know, it's interesting. You, you brought up some interesting points. You don't have to do anything extreme to create that pattern interrupt, but just unexpected, which, which Frank does. I mean, you know, one video of his I turned on, he's sitting there playing some bizarre kind of guitar of some sort. And you're like, what, what is going on? Right and immediately engages, and so it doesn't have to be anything, um, anything too crazy. It just needs to, needs to be different. And uh, that's correct. And so okay, so now I guess people are people are listening to this. Um, I and, know, and, they, I, and they're not and they're not realizing that Derek, this was really supposed to be a video. Uh, podcast. We were going to do something new this week. It was going to be a video podcast, but then when. Derek flipped on the camera and he saw me sitting naked in front of the screen. Okay. That's a pattern interrupt. <laughs> yeah, that was that was definitely a pattern interrupt. It, it also comes from spending too much time with Frank. I'll be I promise I'll behave <laughs> for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that that's it. That that works. Uh you got my attention. Um so how do people learn this, right? Uh, you know, I mean, NLP is, and I've, I've gone down the rabbit hole of NLP, and the problem is you pick up the average NLP book, um, and it's either really dry uh, or, or really um, ther geared towards therapy, right? Um, so from a selling standpoint, from a copying standpoint, how do people learn this? Where do they go? Okay, so I'm going to um, tell you that the key to understanding NLP is to learn one technique at a time and add them to your repertoire one technique at a time. It's kind of like, and Erickson used to use this metaphor all the time, a centipede walking along on its way, and then it stopped and said, I wonder which foot comes next, and it was unable to move. That's the way people are when they try and learn and apply too many things. So I would pick one thing at a time. Now, even in presuppositions, there are many, many patterns. I say pick one and apply it, and then you'll be motivated to, to learn a second. There's no race. You can get good really quickly. Mm -hmm. At my website, nlpcopywriting.com, I send out all kinds of um, notices, techniques um, that people can use, and also a huge number of, of, of products. I actually have a video set there from David Gordon, one of the founders of NLP, teaching um, a therapeutic metaphor where he goes into it in depth. Uh, he's my favorite NLP teacher, just outstanding uh, material or my own NLP copywriting, um, where it was done live, the, the top copywriters in the world attended, um, and they were blown away. My own teacher, John Calton, came uh, as a sign of uh, a salute since I held it in, in, in Vegas, and he lives in Reno. And he said, Harlan, don't get your excitement up. 
I'm only here for one day. I just came to like, you know, you're my top student. I'll be here for one day. And I went, okay. And the next day he's sitting in the back of the room <laughs> and I said, John, this is the second day. He goes, well, I filled up a notepad yesterday. I figured I might as well stay. <laughs> so uh, th- what happens is you realize the potential mm-hmm. of this. Do I have time to tell one quick story from that seminar? Absolutely. So we did an exercise in um, getting people's criteria. And it goes like this. Um, you have two people, A and B. A gives B the largest bill in their wallet. And B's instruction is, don't give it back. A's instruction is, okay, short of using physical force, persuade B to give it back. And so they have to find out what's going to motivate B to give back that bill, even though the instruction was don't give it back. And it's a really fun exercise watching people do it. And everybody eventually got their money back, except one guy says, I didn't get my money back. And this woman in the back is waving a $20 bill. And she said, nope, you said not to give it back. I'm not giving it back. And I looked at her and I said, would you mind coming forward for a demonstration? She said, absolutely. She said, but I'm not giving it back. And I said, no, no problem. She came up to the front of the room and I said, you have his bill? Yep, right here. I said, and you're not giving it back? Nope, that was the instruction. I said, is that your daughter in the back of the room on the floor coloring? Yep, absolutely. And I said, you, you homeschool your daughter? Mm-hmm, I do. I don't believe in schools. I believe in homeschool. I said, did I see a Bible um, next to you during the break? Yes. I said, do you read your daughter from the Bible every day? She said, absolutely. And I said, and since you're a role model uh, for your daughter, what do you think your daughter is thinking of you right now holding money that doesn't belong to you? <laughs> the money came flying out of her hand as if it was burning her hand. <laughs> so criteria, when you find out someone's criteria, no matter what their intention is, they cannot but help in responding to it. So learn about these things. Learn about criteria and your persuasion will never be more powerful. But keep my final word, keep it ethical, keep it clean, mm-hmm. keep it honorable. And so, so now people are listening to this and they're like, wow, I want, I want to learn this NLP, copywriting. Um, I know for a fact, I've done this. You go up there, you start looking at NLP. There's NLP certifications in every city. Um, but I don't believe that's the right path for somebody that wants to use NLP for marketing purposes. Would you agree with that? Yeah, unfortunately, they're still in the therapeutic uh, mode, and that's not going to help. What I've done is shortcut the process by taking all of the learnings and all of the trainings and having them focus 
on persuasion and sales. Okay, so before we go then, uh, for people that are listening to this and thinking, hey, I need to know more about this, where do they go? And and more specifically, uh, you've you've been doing this for so long. Where do people start? Is there a, a specific, you know, a product, uh, an opt-in, a course, something you have on on nlpcopywriting.com that you would refer people to to start learning more? The number one thing that I would recommend would be either my NLP Copywriting 1 or um, Therapeutic Metaphors, all of which you can find on nlpcopywriting.com. Fantastic. That's excellent. Now, uh, we're, we're running out of time, uh, but Harlan, I want to I thank you so much for, uh, for spending the time here and sharing so many tips and strategies related to NLP copywriting. I've, I've got pages of notes here myself, so uh, you know, I know it's a good interview when I've got a list of things now I need to do. There you go. It's been an honor. Fantastic. So, uh, all right, everyone, that was uh, NLP copywriting expert Harlan Kilstein. And as always, any of the links mentioned in the interview uh, will be included in the show notes along with the entire transcript of this episode. And you'll find that at entrepreneurignited.com podcast. And uh, again, if you like what you heard here, please leave a rating or review on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Your feedback, your reviews are the fuel that gives me the momentum and motivation to continue making this the best info-packed podcast for for digital entrepreneurs. And uh, now it's time to take the uh, NLP copywriting tips, tools, and strategies that you've learned here today and apply that final essential ingredient. And that ingredient is action. So go forth, take action. Uh, head over to Harlan's site, grab, uh, opt in, get get on his list so you can at least start getting his regular strategies uh, that, that he sends out on a regular basis and uh, start checking out some of the resources he has because I truly believe that as a digital entrepreneur, this is one of the most powerful skills you can acquire. So, Go forth, take action. This is your host, Derek Gale, signing off. Thanks for listening to another info-packed episode of the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast with Derek Gale. For links to all of the resources plus an entire transcript of this episode, go to entrepreneurignited.com slash podcast. Make sure you never miss another episode. Subscribe now on iTunes or SoundCloud.